We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sixth Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Silvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Sixth Man Show. Today is November 3rd, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. Tonight, I am joined by producer Kevin. Luke is moving tonight. Kevin, what's up, bro? Jonathan, listeners, viewers of the Six Man Show, greetings. Uh, doing very well. Uh, excited to be back on the show. It's been a couple weeks, so looking forward to talking some Orlando Magic basketball and um, all the ups and downs um, therein. It's been a, it's been a wild first couple of weeks, huh? You know, some more downs than ups, and uh, yeah, we're we're coming up on twenty four hours removed from our our last loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're going to break all of that down. I think we're definitely in better spirits tonight than we would have been if we uh, had to record last night. I was I was in a dark place last night, man. I got to tell you, my wife was like, "Are you like coming to bed anytime soon?" And I'm like, "I'm just furious. I I couldn't stop thinking about that loss last night." Yeah, that was rough. Definitely. The roughest, like before that, it was the Detroit game. For me, that was the yeah. roughest one because, I mean, we should have won that game. There's a lot of games we should have won, and we'll talk about that. But, yeah, yeah, against OKC, man, that game was, I mean, that was stealing defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, that was rough. It was rough. Kevin, I don't know. You probably know this, um, but isn't this weekend, aren't we falling back this Sunday? It is. It is this I'm excited week, yeah. for that. How, how yeah. do you feel about falling back? Do you look forward to that? Are you a spring forward kind of guy? No, I'm not a spring forward kind of guy, but I I do enjoy the the falling back thing. Although now that I say this out loud, wasn't there this whole like, you know, uh, talk about them getting rid of like the time changes and stuff? I don't know if that's this is still happening, right? We're still falling back. I think we are. I'm pretty it sure says I, it is. I my calendar it says it is. Yeah, my calendar says it is. So I'm going to pretend that I'm going to gain an hour of sleep on Saturday night. So I'm excited about that. Gaining the hour of sleep is great. And then I know there's a lot of people that hate that it starts to get darker earlier, which I agree with generally speaking. But to me, you know, when it's dark by 630, it just feels more like the holidays. So I kind of look mm. forward to that. Get, get you in that kind of vibe, you know, bonfires, yeah. s'mores, getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. Absolutely. For for this part, like for our part of the world, you know, the southern part of the United States, 
that's kind of the sign of the holidays as opposed to northern parts. Just when it gets really freaking cold, that's when you know it's the holidays. So true. You know, to each his own. And depending on where you are up north, like I know in, in New Jersey by my brother, it's dark by like 445. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, you know, people get seasonal depression uh, when it gets dark outside. We get <laughs> seasonal depression from the Orlando Magic. So let's talk about that, Kevin. Uh, so far. So since our last episode, just one game this week, which the Magic lost. Uh, so they're 0-1 on the week right now. They're 1-7 and on the season, which is the worst record in the East. It is tied for the worst record in the league with the Houston Rockets, who trail the Clippers by three at halftime. They're currently playing when we're recording this about uh, a little bit after 9.15 Wednesday night. So who knows? When you guys are listening to this, um, the Magic might have the absolute worst record in the league or they'll have the second worst record in the league. Uh, We don't know just yet. Uh, Looking at the offensive and defensive rating on the season, Kevin, the Magic have an offensive rating of 106.3, which if you're not familiar with offensive and defensive rating, um, the offensive rating is just how many points per 100 possessions the Magic are scoring, uh, which is 106.3, which ranks 27th in the league. And they have a defensive rating. So how many points per 100 possessions are they giving up, which is 111.6, which ranks 17th in the league. So, they're steadily kind of creeping up. When we recorded this, the last episode on Sunday, they were 18th in the league. So just kind of climbing up very slowly here. And their overall net rating is minus 5.3 or negative 5.3, which is good for 26 in the league. So we're not absolutely the worst team in the league if you're looking at net rating. Um, they are ninth in free throw rate. It's fun for me to just continue to track that because for the better part of the last decade, the Magic have been towards the bottom of the league in free throw rate. And Paolo Bancaro, Literally overnight has changed that. It's just remarkable from the rookie. Looking at the injury report, we got Jalen Suggs back in the lineup on Tuesday after he missed five games with a right ankle sprain. And then Cole Anthony, um, who they said it was an oblique injury. Now that's been classified as an oblique tear. And I said I I saw him wearing the abdominal wrap uh, when I was at the game last week. Markel Fultz, Gary Harris, Mo Wagner, Jonathan Isaac all remain out, Kevin. Yep, and there's an addition to that as well from the OKC game. If you remember Terrence Ross as well. Thank you. Uh, yep, went, tried went to forget with, that, but there it is. Yeah, went out with a knee contusion pretty early. Didn't play very many minutes, uh, but but didn't come back. And he was actually streaming on Twitch tonight, and I got to catch a couple minutes of that. And he didn't didn't commit to playing uh, Golden State. He said legitimately like it was painful, and it, it still is today. And he's like, who knows? It might be better by tomorrow. We'll see. So. Um, hopefully, hopefully he's good to go against Golden State. I have a feeling we could use his uh, offensive spark against those guys, and we'll talk, we'll talk about them later. Yeah, D- doesn't sound very promising, but we'll we'll no. see what happens. So, really quickly before we dive uh, deep into this travesty uh, at the hands of the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, we do have a Patreon channel uh, where we have a, a ton of I think we have eighty three different uh, individuals who partner with us every single month. Eighty three is a lot. 83 it's is crazy. a lot. It's, it's really crazy to say that. But yeah, they help us every single month. Um, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Starting at $2 a month, you can support the show or you can um, choose additional like you know higher uh, tiers that come with additional benefits like access to our Discord channel, which has been really active over the past several weeks. Um, we have exclusive Zoom calls every month with our Hall of Fame tier patrons where you can just hang out with us for an hour, talk about the team, kind of get behind the scenes updates some things that we don't always share with 
everybody out in the public. Sometimes we just share things with our patrons. That's for them to know and you potentially to find out. <laughs> uh, and then we shout out our brand new patrons each episode. So this episode, uh, Hafrican, I did not name him this. He named it himself. <laughs> From what I can tell, he has an Orlando Magic jersey with Hafrican, uh, you know, stitched on the back. He joined our Hall of Fame tier. So big shout out to our boy Hafrican. Don't feel 100% comfortable uh, saying that, but that's his name. And we're riding with uh, the boy Hafrican. And Kevin is going to shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons. That's right. And uh, shouting out the Hall of Fame patrons uh, today. And we're starting. We're, you know how I do it. I like to mix it up. We're going newest to oldest. All right. So we are kicking it off with Hafrican. And I'm, I'm proud to say it. Hafrican. Uh, then we got, all right. we got Junior Barus, uh, Gear 95 Shred, ESPN really sucks. Joe Rothfuss, Chad 3045, Brandon Grace, Ty, Mr. TV, Andy, Cannibalism, Cable Pete, uh, Cable Pete, wow, Caleb Pete, wow, <laughs> Destined Pete. for Greatness, yeah, uh, Jose Esquilin, uh, Edmund, Le- uh, Edmund Legon, I guess, there we go, Bill Fulton, Juan Geraldo, Fuchsia, Eric Lopez, Breadhead, Teddy Sylvia, Goaty93, Nate Donnelly, Bobby Skinner, Dutto15, Danimal Drum, Lil Penny, Mr. Mikey, Dylan Holden, Migzors, Pierre A, Woot Woot, Mo Bamba, Yo Mama, The Distract, uh, Ryan Singh, Franz Goda Fischow, Michael, Michael Salapong, Michael Martin, Wiffle, Gabe, uh, Gabe Gaines, Bailey, Julio, Magic Player History, Norm, or sorry, Normal, I always say that wrong, Normal, Jonathan Borges, Carson Tulo, Armin, and Court Cousins. Holy smokes, that's insane. There's a lot going on there, but thank there's you a lot to, going our, on. to our Hall of Fame patrons and to all of our patrons. We really appreciate it. We're barely getting through that these days, but Shoo. we appreciate everyone's support. Again, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show if you want to help financially support the show. Let's talk about Tuesday at Oklahoma City. So, Kevin, Do we have to. We have to. So, uh-huh. I know you and I feel differently about this, at least going into the game, about whether or not this game still should have been on national TV. <laughs> and to me, I, I truly think every team in the NBA, there's only 30 teams. Every team should get at least one nationally televised game. I'm not talking about NBA TV. Like, give us a, an ABC game, give us an ESPN game, or give us a TNT game. I don't care what it is. One, you can, Out of the four teams that play on TNT on a given night, you can put one stinker in there. I promise you it will be okay. Um, but each team should get a nationally televised game. But as everyone now knows, as soon as Chet Holmgren suffered that Liz Frank injury to his foot, uh, they could not get the Oklahoma City Orlando game off of this slate quick enough. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty, and now I am relieved <laughs> that this game was not on TNT because it was an ugly, ugly, ugly game. Was Charles not Barkley fun to would watch. have Charles Barkley would have like torn us apart in the oh, post game. Oh man, Ernie, I gotta tell you, man, this game is just terrible. This is terrible yeah. to watch these two teams knuckleheads. Some, some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. I took yeah. a nap for the fourth. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Sorry, Charles. We didn't mean to. We totally, love Charles. Uh, we love, love Charles. Charles. Love Charles. But I mean, yeah. Let's let's just talk about the first half in this one. So the Magic found themselves down by um, as much as 10 midway through the second quarter. They finished the first half on a 19-6 to run uh, to finish uh, the, the half up 66-63. to um, Really, it was the starters that went on that run. The game was pretty close. Starters came out in the first half. That bench unit started to let go of the rope a little bit. OKC gets out to that 10-point lead. The starters start to come back in the last five minutes of the second quarter. Again, go on that run. And then they get off to a really good start 
um, in the third quarter. I believe they were up by as much as 14. Um, and then midway through the third quarter, as the bench unit starts to come in, you start to sub some guys out. Uh, that lead starts to collapse a little bit. You go into the fourth up three. So you were up 14. That lead gets down to three heading into the third quarter. And then over the next, you know, what was that? Four and a half minutes. The lead goes from three back up to 11. You're up 104 to 93 with 726 to go. Wendell hits that three, Kevin, and I'm feeling really confident. The Magic are now up double digits. The starters are back in. We saw how well they played in the second quarter and in the third quarter. And you're like, all right, seven and a half to go. We've got an 11-point lead. We've got some time to build on this. But unfortunately, over the course of the next seven and a half minutes, the Magic miss 11 straight field goals. They miss all of their 11 field goals to miss the game. Uh, they have Wendell Carter and Chuma. Or no, I'm sorry. Wendell Carter hit all four of the Magic's free throws down the stretch. Not Chuma OKK. Uh, and the Magic end up losing this game 108 to 116. So in a span of seven and a half minutes, you go from up 11 to losing by eight and missing 11 straight field goal attempts to lose the game on the road to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Seven and a half minutes without a field goal. I I don't consider myself to be a, a basketball analytics expert, but even I know that that is not good. Uh, that is that is a recipe for disaster. Kevin. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, this is why this is why people listen to the show. Um, wow. Like, where do we start? I, maybe I, I kind of want to start with the good, right? We'll talk about the bad. I I just want to like when like Wendell or Wind Daddy, as some people on the show call him. Like this was a this was a daddy Dell night, you know, as as Luke would say. Like Wendell was was looking like the the glimpses that we saw last season of Wendell Carter Jr. Like he was great, part of that starting unit that was really good for most of this game. Um, as you said, the starting unit built a couple leads over the course of the game, especially there in that third quarter. Really felt like we were no, didn't feel like it. We were in the driver's seat. We were in the driver's seat until eight minutes left in the game, really. Um yeah, so he was great. Um, Bull Bull, I thought, was great in parts, right? The other, the the bad stuff we saw was, I think he had six turnovers um, yep. last night, which is not great, obviously. Um, but showed flashes of, of good there. Um, it's, you know, all right, now we're going to talk about the bad. I am. Okay. That, that stretch, the last eight minutes was terrible. Um, and it's hard because the starters were in for almost all of it, you know, if yeah. not all of it. Um, the unit that had played so well in the first three quarters just kind of fell apart. Um, Franz was, and I, I don't like talking about, about any of the guys, but especially if, like Franz is, you know, my guy, like I love Franz Wagner. Everyone does, but like he was, he was rough in that fourth quarter. Um, uh, turnovers. You can say bad. <laughs> I, I can't though. Like those words can't, they don't just roll off the tongue for me. Um, I'm a homer. Two of seven. Uh, Two of seven in the the fourth quarter. Two points, two turnovers, a rebound, an assist. O of two from behind the arc. I believe at least one of those was like a wide open look. He was a a minus eleven plus minus in the fourth quarter. In the fourth, yeah. I mean, Wendell Wendell had twelve in the fourth, and everyone else it was four for Franz, two for for Paolo, two for Jalen. That's it. The rest of the team combined for eight points. That's. That's just not good enough. Um, but yeah, the the Franz two turnovers, two fouls. He just didn't look in control. He looked, um, 
I don't know, it, it, last year, especially, you know, really, it's, it's actually, no, that's so ironic because we were talking about earlier, yesterday was November 1st, the Oklahoma City game. A year ago, November 1st was the game in Minneapolis where Franz, you know, kind of announced himself to the world. And how did he do that? In the fourth quarter, he just literally, literally took over that game, if you remember. I don't remember how many points he scored, maybe 13 or something like that in the fourth. But yeah, including he and Cole that, went crazy. He had that's a, right. the huge dunk. Huge dunk. He also had a big three. Um, so uh, all that to say, there were a lot of times last year where the fourth quarter, Franz kind of like kicked it into a gear and was in total control. We haven't seen that. Not just not just against OKC, but so far in the season. Like there hasn't been, to me, long stretches, like an entire quarter where I felt like Franz is in complete control of this game. And the OKC game was was unfortunately another example of that. So um, I don't know, man. It's It's hard to pick one thing to like really harp on um obviously turnovers was a big thing over the course of the whole game not just in the fourth quarter 25 total turnovers i believe on the night like it was just very sloppy with the ball i know okc plays fast i know okc you know is really handsy and just tries to get all over the ball so that they can play fast but all in all man that game was there to be won and you just squandered it i mean just completely completely just dropped dropped the ball so i don't know what what are your thoughts from from this game I mean, like, you know, now we're just seeing a, a trend, you know, I, Luke was talking about it in our in our group chat last night about the fact that this team just, you know, can't close out wins. Like you just right. look at the close losses right now, Detroit, um, Atlanta. I mean, the Knicks, you, you were kind of in it, but but not completely. Um, you know, Charlotte, luckily you blow them out. Close loss to Boston at home. Close loss to Oklahoma City on the road. Um you know, even the the Dallas game to a certain extent. You know, you felt like you had a had a chance down the stretch in that one. So, yeah. Uh, if if I may, just, really quick. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say I I pulled these numbers earlier for us. We were talking about it. The Magic have had a, a second half lead in every game except for the Cleveland game. They've had a they've been tied or led in the fourth quarter of four of their losses: Detroit, Atlanta, Boston, OKC. All four of those games, they were either tied or had a lead at some point in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, it's literally every game except Cleveland. They've been in the second half and just unfortunately just couldn't couldn't get the job done right yeah so i mean we're it, we're just seeing a trend which is really unfortunate um we're also seeing a trend you know with with franz wagner i mean we talked about his struggles in the fourth quarter but just really if you look at the game 20 points on 18 shots 8 of 18 from the floor 44 percent um you know seven assists so like from a, a playmaking aspect he had a, a really nice game but he just doesn't just like to me just doesn't look as good as I thought he was going to, to look. And maybe a lot of that was unrealistic expectations and how his game was going to translate from Eurobasket, uh, you know, to the NBA regular season. Um, but he just, he just seems like he's treading water right now. Like he's just doing enough, um, you know, to not, not quite just um, like totally overwhelmed, but you can tell that he's playing really frustrated right now, especially from behind the arc. Uh, we saw him knocking shots down in, in Eurobasket. I know that we've talked about, you know, it's a different play style over there. The three-point line is closer. Um, but right now, I believe he's shooting like somewhere around 20% behind the arc uh, to, to start the season. I don't know if you can take a look at that and, and confirm that while I kind of go through the rest of this year. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Franz is struggling behind the arc. Paolo Bancaro, second straight game in a row where I felt like he really wasn't as aggressive as we saw through the first six games. Franz uh, is nineteen point four percent. Yeah, so yeah, below twenty percent. So that's it's horrible. It is what it is, and he's getting good looks. It's not like all of these are these 
step backs that he was hitting on Giannis and Eurobasket. Like he's getting wide open three point attempts and just bricking them. He's just missing them right now. I don't know how much of that is just his legs from bringing the ball up every single possession, uh, large stretches of the game. He's guarding one of the other teams, better offensive players chasing some of these guards around. So I don't know if it's his legs, if he's just out of rhythm right now, if he's in a slump, slumps do happen. I'm not, you know, on a scale of one to 10, my concern level for Franz right now is at like a five or a six. I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I think he's going to get it right, especially once we start to get guys back and some of this offensive load is, is taken off of him. But again, back to Paolo, just just settling you know, for, for jumpers right now and not really taking advantage of some of the matchups that he has. Um, there was a lot of contact. Dort was guarding him for a decent amount of possessions last night, and I felt like a few of those could have been blocking fouls on Dort. Uh, but Paolo just kind of taking that contact, not really embracing it, just letting Dort kind of move him off of where he's trying to get to, you know, his spots on the floor and and not attacking the rim like we saw through the first, you know, six games. I mean, three free throw attempts in this one. Uh, I think he's been averaging like somewhere around like eight or nine per game. So um, that was frustrating because it's like, man, Paolo, I mean, fourth quarter is one of five from the floor. But it's just like we've got to get this kid, you know, more involved. He had a, a crazy baseline turnaround i think it was over dort in that second half and it was like man this kid is just looking amazing right now um that's like superstar level shot making so each each of these games you see some good you see some bad i mean wendell carter jr was incredible the entire night i feel like this was the first game where he was like the dell that we thought we were going to see for the better part of this season and some of it was matchup based you know oklahoma city just doesn't have a guy that can match up with him but like Bull Bull. Bull was incredible in the first half, uh, really throughout the game, 13 points, 12 rebounds, four blocks. But you mentioned the six turnovers. Jalen, Jalen Suggs, first game back, missing five games, nine points in 28 minutes, three of 14 from the floor, one of nine from the three-point line. The shots were just not falling. Um, he looks like he's trying to force things, trying to get all of those five games back in one night. Um, and it was just rough, like just up and down the lineup, apart from... RJ Hampton, who I felt maybe you should have had in that fourth quarter, potentially over Jalen Suggs. I know they were you know, going for Jalen's defense, but RJ was playing really, really well the other night. Uh, second game in a row that he's played really well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Wendell Carter, and then it was just kind of everybody else in this one. And you stopped going to Wendell in large stretches to end this game. He got a few free throw attempts, but just felt like we should have been taking advantage of those matchups, uh, each offensive possession down the floor. But I talked about this in the post game last night, Kevin, but up 11 on the road in the, in the fourth quarter against, I, I know they're what, four and three on the season right now, Oklahoma City. But if you just look at the rosters, this is a winnable game for the Magic just from the opening tip. And you've got a double digit lead on the road against a team of this caliber. You've got to come away with a win. And you can blame Mosley, you can blame the guys that were on the floor. Overall, it was a, you, you said it perfectly last night, an epic choke job by the Magic. Yeah, um, and there's obviously lots of blame to go around, like you said. But I do want to give some credit. SGA's SGA's good, man. Yeah, Gildas Alexander is really good, and it's like there's been you know not even rumors, there's been talk about like from Magic fans over the last year or two about oh SGA on the Magic, SGA on the Magic. But and I always just go whatever, you know. He's but every time I watch him against us, I'm like, oh man. Imagine the that reason guy. that I shake my head is like he's not going anywhere. No, I you know there was talk like once Chet went down, like oh SJ wants to probably win sooner. I, well, I don't know. 
who knows? He looked pretty happy last night killing he us. He looked great. And that's the thing. Like, I again, I also don't think he's going anywhere. But, like, that dude. So, all I have to say, give him credit. He was fantastic throughout the night, but also during the fourth quarter. Like, he smelled there was blood in the water. And, like, he took some really difficult shots at times. Then also he had some really easy shots, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, and it's tough. Even because, like, we had this lead, seven and a half minutes to go. They're climbing back into it slowly but surely, right? Uh, but the problem was, like, we were still in this game with with even a couple minutes left, right? And I think I think it was you, yeah. You tweeted last night when Dort had that wide open three. It was just what what disappointed me. I think from that moment was, and I'm probably reading too much into it. We always do, but this team has been known to fight. Like the whole Mosley era has just been competing, no matter what, no matter what the score is. That was one of the few times where I've like you could look around the floor and ever in my mind again overthinking it. Once once he got the ball was wide open. It was just like like game over. Like you could you could just sense the the mood. Like they knew it was going to go in. They yeah, knew they it was game over. Attempt to contest it at all. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so that was disappointing. In addition to everything else. And again, it's one game out of eighty two. You don't want to harp on it too much, but it's the most recent one. And so it really stings, especially against Oklahoma City, a team that isn't really supposed to be that good. I know we're hurt. I know we've been on the road a lot. All of those caveats, you were up 11 with eight minutes to go, seven and a half minutes to go. You just got to win, like you said. So disappointing. But a home stretch, you know, coming up here. Hopefully the team can, you know, find their legs and, and maybe turn some things around. Well, before the game, we made a little wager with our our Blue Wire contingent, (laughs) uh, the Oklahoma City, the uncontested podcast, where the loser would buy T-shirts, you know, from the other podcast uh, shop, essentially, and wear them on their podcast. So, in the next week or couple of weeks, here we're going to be wearing some Pokemon uh, T-shirts for uh, you know Alexei Pokashevsky, which are the shirts are pretty cool. Like shirts are really cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be a much worse shirt that we would have to wear on the podcast. But when That's you see right. that, do not be alarmed. But yeah, SGA man in 33 minutes, 12 of 18 from the floor, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, six assists, four rebounds, three steals, two blocks, 34 points. He was just getting his spots and like he got two feet in the paint and that turnaround every single time. It was nothing but net. Even with a bigger guy really on him, good. like Powell, even with Bull, was, on right? It, yeah, it was Bull. He hit one on nothing Bowl, we could yeah. do. Yeah, and, and he's just so fast that like most guys, Bull is able to recover and kind of chase down at the rim, and he's just so fast. Just it was it was layup after layup for him. So he's really good. Oklahoma <laughs> City. I mean, like you go down like their lineup. They they've got some talent now. Like Dort, Jalen Williams, I like a lot. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl Giddy, SGA. Trey Mann, Usman Jang, um, Alexei Pokashevsky. Like, they've got a lot of talent. Mark Dagnall has these guys playing really, really hard. They're a well-coached team. And, you know, we thought the Magic were a well-coached team, and I still think they are, but it's frustrating that, you know, eight games in now, it just seems like, you know, the attention to detail isn't quite where it needs to be because the margin of error for this team is so small that everything has to go right if they're going to win these games. They will get, there will be competitive games. Like the Magic are, I think, rarely going to get blown out unless they just completely let go of the rope here any sometime soon. But they will be in every game just off of their talent level and the way that they compete every single night. 
but we've got to figure out the turnovers. 24 turnovers, um, just really unacceptable. You're, you're just shooting yourself in the foot, and it's just like night after night after night, we're talking about the, the turnover problem just every single game. And yeah, we've made a big deal about getting a point guard and you know, like that guy, you know, coming back, we're talking about Markel Fultz and, and him making a big difference, but he's just one guy. Like, even if he has a ridiculously high, you know, usage rate, he's only going to be finishing like one out of every four, one out of every five plays for the magic, whether it's an assist or a shot attempt turnover, like whatever the case may be, everybody else has got to get it together. There, We cannot continue to have games where Bull Bull has six turnovers. I know this was his season high tonight, but Paolo with four turnovers, Jalen with four turnovers, Chuma with three turnovers. Like it, it's it's got to stop. The Magic, unfortunately, are not good enough to win games unless they're doing all of the small things. Yeah, and I expect a team like the Magic to have a higher number of turnovers than other teams in the league because of their youth, and again, right now because of the lack of guards. However. That number itself is too high, and it's too high because so many of those turnovers were unforced. It's not like they were trying to get something going, and it was you know just a miscalculation, like a good idea, just you know didn't execute, whatever. No, there were several lazy passes, several you know uh, like guys stepping out of bounds, Chuma stepped out of bounds. There's guys you know you know not handling the ball well. There's guys or just uh, dribbling the ball off their foot off their foot or or a lack of awareness that you're getting picked from behind like those types of things just and i guess that's that is a forced turnover but the other things all, all those combined are things that they just have to be better at and again i fully expect this team to be on the higher end of turnovers in the league i fully do that's what happens with young teams especially ones that you know are trying to play faster although technically speaking statistically speaking we're not actually playing that fast right now um but all that I expect us to be high in turnovers, but right now it's out of control. You're right. It has got to be figured out. Um, and Markel is not the answer to it. He will be a help to that, but he will not fix, like you said, the problems that we're seeing from literally the entire rest of the roster right now. It's it's That's a big concern. I, I definitely agree. Um, a lot of other things right now are things that I think will get better, um, but that's been definitely the biggest red flag so far and something that has to get cleaned up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So, so far through um, eight games, Magic are 22nd in the league in terms of turnovers per game with 15.6. Wow. Um, Looking like you're tied with the Indiana Pacers, young team, Houston Rockets, young team, uh, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, young team, Utah Jazz, young team, Golden State, San Antonio, young team. So, you look at the bottom of the league, like it's a lot of the young teams like you, you know, kind of alluded to. But you're averaging, you know, 15 and a half roughly, and then you have a game where you have 24. Like you, you're just not going to win games like that. And then in terms of like three point percentage, right now the Magic are 27th in the league, uh, 31% from behind the arc um, so far through eight games, which isn't going to get it done. You know, getting guys back. Um, we, let's get you know Terrence Ross healthy. Let's get Gary Harris healthy. Um, guys like Franz Wagner, you know, really just need to start shooting the ball better. You know, we've talked about Jalen Suggs, uh, Caleb Houston, you know, who's been fine. Um, but I, I think maybe we thought his shooting, you know, maybe was a little bit overrated. I know he didn't shoot that great of a percentage at Michigan. I think it was around, you know, like 32, 33%. If I remember correctly, he's going to grow into being a, a shooter. Mo Bamba hasn't shot the ball. Well, Chuma hasn't shot the ball. Well, so there are things that like, you think at some point you're going to see the pendulum kind of swing the other way in terms of these guys being roughly league average three point shooters, but like the turnovers absolutely needs to get cleaned up. Um, the rebounding has been better the last few games. Now we talked about Wendell; they just really did not have a guy um, to match up with Wendell or Bull Bull. You know, for for uh, you know that conversation, both of those guys with 12 rebounds, Paolo with eight rebounds. So that's what uh, 32 of your 37. Uh, 32 uh, out of your 49 turn uh, rebounds. Excuse me. I can't read. But yeah, the, the rebounding has been better, but Mosley talked about it after the post game. You could tell that he was super frustrated with just the amount of turnovers. Like he said, that was the game. And they asked him, what was your message to the team after the game? He said, 24 turnovers. You just, you cannot have it. Especially Clifford would have just flat out came and said, we are not good enough to win with 24 turnovers. And I'm like, he's Mosley is becoming more and more frustrated after each one of these losses. I'm waiting for a Steve Clifford post game where Mosley comes in, speaks for 45 seconds and says, thanks and walks off because um, it's just not acceptable. You know, they talked all off season, all preseason about leveling up. Well, well, let's kind of see that. I don't want to read too deeply into what we're seeing. It's just eight games, but part of me is like, you know, maybe were we drinking our own Kool-Aid a little bit? You know, we were talking about let's get these guys healthy. We won 22 games last year without some key contributors. Everybody's going to be better. We're getting some guys back. 
everybody's hyping us up. We got the number one overall pick in Paolo Bancaro. We see how good he is. We see how good Bull Bull has been in preseason and training camp. Man, the Magic are going to come out and be really, really good. There's a difference between talking about that and actually doing it in the NBA. Nobody is going to give you anything. You're going to have to work for every single possession. And uh, yeah, especially late in games in the fourth quarters, the Magic are, are really struggling um, just learning how to win. And that's kind of what a young team goes through. Yeah, and it's tough because you talk about being a small sample size, but at one at what point is the sample size big enough? Like we're at the we're at the ten percent games. Yeah, ten we're at the ten percent. Two, give yeah. me two more games. We'll see. I know because right, it's eighty two game season. We're eight games in. We're right at the ten percent mark. You know, we're one tenth of the way through the season. Now, granted, I know all the asterisks, right? I know that it's been a very challenging start of the season. Six games on the road out of your first eight. I know we're missing a bunch of guys, so. We can't pull too much from it, but I think there is still things that we can pull from, you know, turnovers, three point shooting. Those are things that doesn't matter who's on the floor, you know, individually guys should take care of the ball better. Guys should be shooting the wide open threes better. Um, so I, I don't know. I, again, we're not going to take too much from it, but there's definitely some trends that are concerning and hopefully we can get them turned around. When you talk about Mosley though, I, I'm, you get, you know, Jonathan, <laughs> You know, we have this back and forth stuff on the group chat about Mosley. Okay, I'm I am still very much a fan of Mosley. Not saying anyone else on the show is not a fan, but I'm saying like I'm still like backing him 100. percent Just to I, be clear, so am I. I don't want pe- I don't want anybody to, to soundbite this and then throw it correct. into something that it's not. I'm still 100. People that are asking for Mosley to be fired, just shut up. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't mean to hint that at all. Okay, sometimes. Um, some people on the show like question some of Mosley's intentions and stuff. And, and I'm still like backing him. I'm like, we're all learning. He's learning. We're figuring things out. He's got a broken roster. All I have to say, what I do get really frustrated about, Jonathan, you feel like you need to defend yourself. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I will, I'll have a rebuttal when you're done. I apologize. Okay. I just, I have to clarify though. Like no one on the show wants Mosley out. Okay. What is really frustrating me with Mosley right now is not using his challenges. Like that Wendell foul? Are you kidding me? Like that was an awful call. If you saw the game, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, like literally Wendell put his arms behind his back and is backpedaling and gets called for the foul. Like oh, it's stuff like that. It's just like it's so painfully obvious. And I, I understand the idea of waiting, like saving it for later. But in a moment like that where you can literally save save the opponent, opposing team points, like take points off the board. I don't, I don't understand the the idea behind saving the challenge because two points at the beginning of the game is the same thing as two points at the end of the game. I agree. If you can save points at any point in the game, hit the freaking buzzer. I agree. 100%. I understand you, was- like, you might get to the end of the game like, oh, I wish, wish we had that. But if you can save two points in the first quarter, it's the same as saving right. two points at the end of the game. If it is a guaranteed, like that one was a guaranteed, like if that was reviewed, it was getting overturned. A hundred percent chance. Like if you have one of those in the bag, like you have to take it because you're right. Like even if you save it for a 50-50 call with two seconds left, it's a 50-50 call. You might not get it. But for those like surefire ones where you're going to save a foul on Wendell and you're going to save two points from OKC, you have to do it. And that's like the second or third time this season so far. That something like that has happened early, you know, in the first it happened two or a couple three times of last game. night. There was the Dort call, and there was one earlier in the game that I, I know that we talked about it, but I'm forgetting right. what it was. Yeah, and so I, I just, oh, I don't understand. Like I'm Team Mosley. I love Mosley. I think he's great. He's been 
a great coach for this group. I want to be here for a while, at least until we have, you know, maybe some other ideas. But the 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 challenges is just it's killing me. It's killing me. So you said one thing at the beginning of that that I I, I want to uh, defend myself when we talk about his intentions. I'm talk we're talking about like whether or not he's like actively making decisions to lose us games, and that would be coming from the front office. Mosley isn't like, oh, I'm going to sabotage this game tonight. It's Jeff that's like, hey, like Mosley, if you play Ignis Brisdakis 38 minutes tonight, that wouldn't be the worst idea. You know, we we want to get him some reps. He hasn't played in Lakeland in a little while. That's the kind of you know things that that I'm talking about. But right, yeah, Mosley has not been perfect. Um, you know, we we've questioned some of his uh, strategic decisions when it comes to rotations and staggering guys and, and not staggering guys. I think it's painfully obvious to anyone watching these games. There's not a reason that one of Paolo, Franz, or Wendell shouldn't be on the floor at all times. One of those three guys should be on the floor at all times because without them, the offense can't do anything. At that point, you're hoping that Mo Bamba or Chuma Ukiki hits an open three because that is all that is that is the best looks that you are getting with those three guys off of the floor, and they're not hitting those shots right now. So the offense without those guys is essentially non-existent. So I think to all of us, we're still like, what is the thinking here? And I think I think it was Kobe Price asked him this after, or maybe it was in the pregame before the Charlotte game the other night um, in Friday, uh, Friday's game. Uh, someone asked Mosley, like, what was the thinking behind um, like not staggering Paolo and Franz? And I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember thinking, that's not an answer. Like he just kind of skated around it, didn't give us a real answer. Um, and I totally would have been fine if the explanation was, "Look, these are two guys that are going to be a massive part of our core moving forward and closing games. We want them to get as many reps on the floor together as possible." I would have been completely fine with that. But I think he tried to like give some kind of answer about like the flow and the rhythm of of the game. And I was like, "Wait, what? What are you saying? You didn't? You definitely did not answer his question." But the pregame availability is not somewhere where you can be like, hey, you didn't exactly you know, answer my question. Let me ask it again in a, another way. But so there are things that, you know, some folks have been frustrated. And I have been critical of like schematic things like the the whole overhelping on on guys on the other side of the floor who don't even have a foot in the paint yet, where we have the low man kind of coming two feet in the paint and leaving this guy open for a corner three. We've seen that time and time again. But I don't want to harp on a guy too much that has literally never had a fully healthy roster in the, what are we, 90 games that he's coached for the Magic so far. I don't want to get like too critical of him when he's essentially coaching on one leg with one arm tied behind his back, and it has nothing to do with him. So let's get this team healthy. Let's give him like a full roster, give him like 20 games, and then we can really be like, okay, this guy is really good at this. He's not so good at these things. I'm not saying don't be critical, but causing for like calling for him to be fired way too early, in my opinion, and it, it's just unfounded. Yeah, this isn't this isn't Brooklyn. We're not getting rid of our coach eight eight games in this season, you know. Just saying. And then hiring a guy that was just caught up in like a massive scandal and suspended for an entire year. But uh, I digress. We didn't win this game, folks. But if we did, and keep this in mind for future wins. All Magic Victories the next day, you can get 50% off your online order the next day with code MAGICWIN. This applies as long as you're within 150 miles of Orlando and as long as you are not 75 miles to Miami. 
you'll have to use the Miami win or Heat win or Losers win or whatever they Ooh. whatever they use down there. Um, if you're 75 miles of Orlando, but uh, Code Magic win 50% off Papa John's the next day following all Magic victories. This is a guy, Kevin. I, I tweeted this uh, last night that how dumb I was to think that this guy wasn't even going to be in the rotation this year. This is a guy who we haven't given his due credit. I think we've given him credit, but we haven't like had a whole conversation just about how good he's been through the first eight games. He's already a fan favorite. People go crazy anytime he does anything, and for good reason. Kevin, let's talk about Bull Bull. Wow. Yeah, so a guy, like you said, that you know, a lot of people at least didn't give him much of a shot, you know, coming into the season. He was at at best a mystery. Like at the very best, we were like, what are we going to get from Bull Bull this year, if anything, right? And wow, what a surprise, right? Like what a what an incredible feel-good story and just fun surprise. Like this dude is so fun to watch. And he's not just fun to watch. He's like actually making an impact whenever he's on the floor. Like it's just crazy. And 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 the other thing is right now, statistically speaking, he's like getting better and better. I know we talked about the turnovers on Tuesday on yeah, Tuesday against Oklahoma City. Obviously, it's not great. Everything else though, his minutes are going up, his scoring is going up, his rebounds going up, his he is leading the league in blocks right now. Total blocks, not blocks per game, but blocks. He's leading the league right now. Um it's and he's just he's fun to watch. Like he does things we've never seen before, literally ever. Terrence Ross, uh, I talked about him streaming tonight. He, he mentioned Bull Bull as well, and, and he talked to us about it. You know, when, when he came on our show, it was like he he hyped him up. He's like, "This dude is doing stuff in practice we've never seen before." Terrence was like, "I've been playing basketball, you know, twenty years, or whatever it's been. I've never seen someone do some of the stuff he's doing." And like he talked about it tonight on on a stream, like the, the him like you know grabbing rebounds with one hand and like in one motion like rebounding and like starting the dribble like going to the fast break like leading the break like a seven foot two dude like with seven foot eight wingspan like bringing the ball up the floor and then like euro stepping like literally taking two steps you know <laughs> from half court to, to the to the rim it feels like uh dunking on guys like it's 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 so wild and it's it's just it's not just like fun to watch it's also like confusing it's like in my mind when we've seen guys with similar frames in the past like they're more of just kind of novelties like i know it sounds weird i don't want to like put human beings in a box like that but when we've seen guys with that frame you're just like oh he's cool you know he's got the length and you know he blocks some shots but you know he's only gonna play 10 minutes a game and but this dude's coming in right now playing over 20 minutes the last several games and he's contributing, and he's fun to watch, and he looks like a major part of the core of this team, which, again, you know, two weeks ago, no one even had a clue that was going to be the case. So, like, wow. Like, and the stats, I know you have the stats. They're even crazier. Like, it's insane. So, at what point during the offseason do you think John and Jeff were like, hey, I need to talk to you. Like, come in this room. Like, and they just went into a broom closet, and they're like, why would we draft Chet Holmgren? We have Chet Holmgren. Whoa! Like look, like look at Bull. I mean, we some of the things. I'm not saying he's Chet Holmgren. I, I'm I'm mostly kidding. Right. When you talk about the things that Chet Holmgren is really good at, oh, he's this massive guy, you know, who can handle the ball like a guard. Bull Bull does that. He can shoot the ball. Bull Bull does that. His timing, his shot blocking is great. We just talked about the fact that Bull is you know leading the league in in total blocks, and I think he's third in the league in blocks per game right now. 
Uh, I mean, like early returns, like you talked about it just now. I mean, it's eight games. And something that we've talked a little bit like to start the season is, is this ever going to be a guy that can play 30 minutes a game you know, every night for, you know, for 70 plus games a season. And, and I don't know, but you know, you said his minutes are ticking up like to start the season. Uh, the first game, it was 17, then 11, then 14, then 20, 21, 26, 29. Last night he played almost 31 minutes. So it seems like the magic are kind of ramping him up slowly to see exactly how much his body can withstand. Um, you know, foot injuries on a big guy like you had at Oregon are always going to be a concern. So you really want to watch him and monitor him really closely. Um, but he's just been absolutely special. I mean, we can talk about some of the the raw numbers here. Um, through eight games, he's averaging 11.1 points per game. He's averaging 7.4 rebounds, uh, just over two and a half blocks, almost two turnovers. He's shooting 65% from the floor which is good for six uh, in the NBA amongst players playing uh, playing 20 minutes or more a game. He's shooting 33% from the three-point line, so just a little bit below league average. But for his career in the other, what would that be, 53 games, he's averaging 37% from behind the arc for his career. So I think that'll come up a little bit. And then he's averaging 2.1 free throw attempts. He's shooting 82% from behind the free throw line right now. So... Early returns, the raw numbers are great. If you want to look at a little bit more um, like the analytical perspective, I'm getting uh, these next stats from cleaning the glass. Um, his differential. So, you know, how many points per 100 possessions is the team better with Bull Bull on the floor? Uh, they're 12.1 points better on the floor with Bull Bull, which is good for 74th percentile. Um, the points allowed per 100 possessions played uh, minus 11.7, which is 87th percentile for his position. Uh, the turnover, uh, what percentage of opponents' possessions have ended in a turnover? Uh, he adds 3.3%, which is good for the 88th percentile. Um, offensive rebound percentage, uh, the other team's offensive rebound percentage, how that changes with ball on the floor. Um, it goes down 5.2%, 83rd percentile. And then the team's free throw rate, or the opponent's free throw rate, excuse me, with ball ball on the floor. Um, minus 12.9, which puts him in the 96th percentile. So like everywhere you look, the analytics, um, Kevin, I think you were going to talk about like the per 36 numbers with bowl, but it's like everywhere you look, it's like this guy is making an impact on the floor. It's not only the eye test. Sometimes that can be a little deceiving. Um, but even if you look at some of these advanced analytics, he's making a, a real impact. seemingly every possession. Yeah. And the the per 36 numbers i mean you know he's it's it's kind of interesting because his his minutes per game is actually going up these per 36 numbers aren't as uh you know jaw dropping you know earlier in the season when he was playing you know 10 to 15 minutes it was kind of crazy now they've kind of leveled out as they typically do with guys that play more minutes but so it's very similar you know 16.2 points 1.2 blocks a steal 2.8 assists 7 rebounds um you know in those per 36 but what, what was really crazy the stat that i like kind of blew my mind today and maybe talks about the growth of bowl bowl is the fact that over the course of his career, you know, before he came to Orlando, he played in what was it? 50, just about Three. 50 games. Yeah. 53 games in his career before he came to Orlando. Uh, this season, he's played eight games for Orlando in those eight games. He's had 21 blocks. That's an incredible clip. That's great. In his previous 53 games, he had 18 blocks. So this season in eight games, he already has three more blocks than he had in his entire NBA career before coming to Orlando. Like, insane, insane. Like, 
the stuff he's doing offensively is great and it's fun and everything, but his shot blocking is elite. I know it's eight games. We'll see if how much it levels out. But what you see right now, and not just like the actual statistical blocks, he is impacting a ton of shots that aren't even on the box score, like changing shots. And so he's been a, a big impact on the defensive end. You know, we've mentioned on the show, or maybe we haven't, I've, I've mentioned at least in the group chat that he does get beat sometimes if he's got a quicker, you know, player, a guard, you know, perhaps that he's guarding. But with his length and his wingspan, he's able to recover so easily. Like you're, you're okay almost with him, you know, getting beat off the dribble with a guy because, you know, he's going to recover just fine. So crazy. Unless it's and, SGA. Unless it's SGA. Good grief. Yeah. But like, What's so crazy is the return on investment potential here. Cause like, don't we forget, paid. don't forget how we got this guy. Yeah. We gave Boston a future second round pick and we got a second round pick back. We got bull bull and we got cash. Like we literally paid us to take him. And now look what he's doing. Like, again, I know it's early. There's a lot of question marks still to be answered with him, but wow. Like what a story. Like, and it's so fun. So fun. Kev, before we um, look ahead to the the kind of the games remaining this week, and then we'll start talking about the the two week homestand, let's just talk a, like a couple of minutes about Jalen Suggs because I'm honestly I don't even feel like it's necessary to have the conversation just like in a vacuum, but he's been such a hot topic, um, especially today talking about Wednesday on Twitter. We talked about the fact that against Oklahoma City he really struggled, and uh, again we can go through that in 28 minutes, um, nine points. Four assists, two rebounds, two steals, a block, four turnovers. He was three of 14 from the floor. He was one of nine from behind the arc and, and two of two from the free throw line. Um, are you panicking when it comes to Jalen Suggs? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, I'm not even close. Am I frustrated at times with Jalen? Yes. Obviously, him missing open threes or whatever, that stinks. Maybe that'll get better. Maybe that won't. I think the frustrating stuff for me right now with Jalen is when I feel like he tries to force it too much. And especially like against OKC, there were two or three drives to the rim. We know how Jalen plays. He's very physical. He's a very determined uh, guy. Like when he makes up his mind that he wants to get to the rim, he doesn't matter what it takes. Like I'm going to go through whoever. I'm going to fall however I need to fall. Like which for us as Magic fans, knowing his injury history over just the last, you know, 12 months with the team, it's just like every forget, time. Forget his injury history over the last 12 months. Look at his history over the last two weeks. He got injured right. on a play exactly like what we saw a handful of times last night against Oklahoma City, where he's right. like, I'm just going to be Mike Allstott on the two-yard line trying to get Go into Bucks. the end zone right now. And that's that's how he got hurt against Atlanta, just trying to bulldoze his way to the rim. And we saw probably like three or four of those attempts last night. Yeah, and that's that's the part that frustrates me. It's just like, that's where I would love to see someone from our coaching staff like, hey, do that like once per game, maybe? This whole like doing this several you times. Pick your just, spots. Right, it, and it's, for me, it's like how much of it is him trying to, you know, f- make something happen. You know, our offense right now isn't, isn't doing that well. Everybody knows that. At what point is that him just trying to make something happen? Is it him trying to get to the free throw line? Uh, is it him just trying to assert himself into a game? Um, or is it just recklessness? You know, like where where's the line there? Uh, and 
that's something that this magic coaching staff needs to figure out with him because it feels very reckless to me. Like not just the whole him, you know, his injury history and the concerns we have injury wise, but even just from a basketball play standpoint, like it's, it's reckless. Like more often than not, those are turning into turnovers for him. He's not getting the benefit of the whistle, which I guess we can talk about that. Like there are some crazy non calls last night that, is is just par for the course. Every with play that Jalen Suggs is involved with, if he's on his way to the rim, is a foul one way or the other. If right. you're going to call the offensive foul, fine. Like we can sure. we can have that discussion, but you need to call something. Two guys smacking into each other on one player's you know uh, path to the rim, it is a foul by definition. Call it one way or the other. I've I tweeted this. I've never seen somebody have so much contact throughout an NBA game and only get to the free throw line twice. Yeah. And officiating with the Magic is like, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation <laughs> that we can have. That technical foul on Mo Bamba last night, we just played Dallas a couple of nights ago. We saw Luka do that probably, no exaggeration, eight to ten times yep. did not receive a single technical foul. And this has been a trend for the last ten years for the Magic. This isn't some kind of homer take. Like I've seen this again and again and again and again. The one thing I want to add ab- about Jalen is, he, as a quarterback, he should understand this. I've gone through this with Daniel Jones as my quarterback. The kid can run, right? But if you're a running quarterback, you have to realize as soon as you tuck that ball and you take off, you're now a runner, and those linebackers, those safeties can do whatever they want to you. So before you absorb that contact, you need to slide, not only for the health of yourself, but for the benefit of the entire team. So Jalen, we want him to have a very long and successful career in the NBA. But we also just need him to be on the floor for the Magic. Last year, in his rookie year, he missed, what was it, 34 games? And so far through eight games, he's already missed five. And I think you can contribute to some of that. I mean, you, you can't talk about him you know, breaking his hand against the 76ers. That was just Joel Embiid kind of being reckless. Uh, but some of the, you know, the ankle injuries that he suffered last season, uh, last night he took a hard fall. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, like Jalen is limping. Jalen is always limping. Like that is his natural gait, but I'm also convinced that he's just always sore and always in pain because he's hitting the floor like three to he's hitting the floor hard, like three to four times a night. And at some point, like, bro, we just need you to be healthy. So dial it back a little bit. And I think to your point, some of it is reckless decision making where like, bro, like this is not the time to do that. And you you probably weren't gonna make that play anyway. So yes, you can live with you know, the shot making, I, I still am a, a hard believer. I think that's going to come around, but it, it kind of sucks because, yes, he's got 50 or 50 NBA games at this point. He's played three games this season, so 40, 49 NBA games so far for Jalen Suggs, so a little bit more than a half of a season. I know he's, you know, in his second year right now, um, but a little bit more than half or 50, let's see, maybe 51 49, 50, 51, 51 NBA games. Kevin is double checking me on that right That's now. That's exactly right. Good job. 51, 51 games. Math. I finally, finally got one of those uh, equations. Mrs. Roseberry. Now she's Mrs. Green. My seventh grade math teacher will be really, really proud of me. But um, yeah, it's just like at some point, like we've the decision making has to become better with Jalen. I think that's where I get most frustrated because his poor decision making is hurting his availability. And the major positive that he brings you right now is on the defensive end. And if he's not on the floor, he doesn't help you there. So 
I still have all of the Jalen Suggs stock. I know people. there's a lot of people that are like completely out, and some people on Twitter, maybe I retweeted a poll today that Brandon Kravitz put up about where are you with Jalen Suggs, and sometimes I just retweet polls because I know that we have a really diehard, you know, uh, like followers on Twitter, and that poll is going to get a lot of engagement and give us a better sample size of that data, so I know where people stand. But I retweeted that, and people were like you need you guys need to relax. I'm like, I'm totally fine. If you're selling your Sug stock, you can send it to me. I'll log into TD Ameritrade right now and buy all the Sug stock there is. Like I'm still very very high on the guy, but it, I do understand why people are concerned. But 51 NBA games. Let's let's calm down. 100% agree. And I just want to give Jalen credit for one thing, okay? I said credit, but I don't want to harp on him for this. His first injury this year was not his fault. Let's be very clear. That was Spencer Dinwiddie's fault in the preseason, okay? Truth. Jalen, that wasn't on you. But let's tone it down. Dial it back. We need you healthy, bro. Big time. All right, let's look ahead just to the remaining games of the week. So coming up um, on Thursday, so when you guys are listening to this, so Kevin is going to be on his way to Orlando tomorrow night uh, for the home game against the Golden State Warriors. This is going to be your first time seeing the Warriors live, right? It, I've never seen... St- well, I saw it's the exciting. Warriors pre-Steph, like way back in the oh, day. Oh, I mean, I mean these but Warriors, yes, sorry. These, I've never seen Steph. He's like the only like like the upper tier NBA legend that I haven't seen. That's played in my lifetime. Like I've literally seen all the other ones. Like, you know, Sha- I've seen LeBron probably more than any non-Magic Michael player. Jordan? LeBron and I saw Michael Jordan when he was with the Wizards. Yeah, oh, okay. early 2000s. Oh, that's not really yep. the same, but... No, not the same, but I still saw him. Uh, saw Kobe, like all the way down those, like the top tier, like those top 10. Steph's the last one. So I'm excited to check that off the list. That's awesome. Uh, have you seen Clay or is this like you've nope. seen the Warriors before, but not with Steph? Okay. Nope. nope yeah, nope, that's nope. exciting. I saw them um, in Orlando uh, during that 2015, 2016 uh, season when they went, wow. um, you know, 73 and nine. So that was, was that, or was that? No. That was the 16-17 season after they lost the title uh, to the Cavs. Then they went, or no, no, 15-16. Yeah, they went 73-9, right. right. lost the finals. Then they lost. Yeah. And then they lost in the finals to the Cavs. So 15-16. For some reason, I thought it was before that. But I was that night, I signed for my season tickets for the 16-17 season. That's why I got confused. There we go. Anyways, we play the Sacramento Kings um, on Saturday. Early Saturday game, rare early Saturday game for the Magic. That's going to tip off at five o'clock. Do we remember why that is an early game? Did we ever figure that out? I don't. I don't know that we did. I, I have not seen anything that explains why. It's very strange to me. I, I don't, don't ever remember there being a five o'clock Saturday game. I've seen you know a handful of early Sunday games, right? Um, but never a Saturday. So that's pretty interesting. I believe the Kings they're going to be playing without De'Aaron Fox. Looks like it. Yeah. So I mean, they still got. Davion Mitchell and Ke- uh, Kevin's boy Keegan Murray. That's right. Still got Demona Sabonis, so it's still going to be a tough win, but it makes it a little bit more manageable uh, without De'Aaron Fox. Um, Kevin, do you think we pick up a win uh, to close out the week here? Yeah, I think we win one of these two. Um, I'd like to think, you know, maybe both. Here's the thing: I did want to talk about this Golden State game. I know we're coming up on an hour here, but this is an interesting one. Like, I really don't know how this is going to go, and I know it sounds weird because it's Golden State, but They've lost three in a row. They've lost three in a row. They lost to Oklahoma City, Detroit, and then Miami on, on Tuesday. They lost to Miami. 
So on the one hand, you're like, oh, well, great. They're just going to, you know, bounce back with a vengeance in Orlando on Thursday. But on the other hand, you can go, they're reeling right now. Like they're losing to bad teams. And maybe they almost lost to Charlotte before that, I think. But they They did did lose lose to Charlotte. Charlotte. That was that. It was it wasn't OKC. It was Charlotte, Charlotte, Detroit Detroit and Miami. That's right. Yep. that's right. Um, Yeah. So their confidence might be low. They might be having some, you know, issues gelling as a team, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't watch the Warriors chemistry issues. I mean, one guy did knock out another guy a few weeks ago. (laughs) I don't know how you get over that really quickly. Yeah. So um, again, I don't know what's going to happen at this game. Like we let's not forget we beat him last year. Right. You know. Don't forget that. Um, which also, by the way, remember that we won that game and then Draymond talked about that game and he only scored like seven points in that game, that whole thing. So for all those reasons, I really want to win on Thursday night against the Warriors. But either way, whenever whenever a team like the Warriors or the Lakers or whoever comes to town, there's just a different buzz in the building. Um, but hopefully hopefully the, the, the pro magic buzz um, is enough to, to will the team to a victory, but we'll see. All right, so I do think we win the game against Sacramento. Um, I just like I, you have to win two out of your first ten games. Like if you're two and you know eight or whatever, I get that. But this is the two week homestand that we talked about. You know when the schedule came out. Although it's not the it's not an easy schedule by any means. Uh, but two weeks at home, like this is your chance to get some practice time in. Um, to get some guys healthy, you're you know it's seven games in fourteen nights. You don't have any back to backs, um, so you just gotta try to get some guys back as well during this home stretch. And I, I think we can talk about that too. But um, just looking at this home stand, so November third versus the Warriors, November fifth versus the Kings, November seventh versus the Rockets, November ninth versus the Mavericks, November eleventh versus the Suns, November fourteenth versus the Hornets, November sixteenth versus Minnesota. So. Golden State, Sacramento, Houston, Dallas, Phoenix, Charlotte, Minnesota. In my estimation, the the games that I think the Magic can win any game on, on any given night, such is the nature of the NBA. Every single one of these are winnable games, but if I'm looking this team in the mirror right now and I'm being honest with myself, these are the games that I think the Magic should have a realistic chance of winning. Sacramento, Houston, Charlotte, and Minnesota. Golden State, Dallas, Phoenix. I'm right now. I'm pretty comfortable in saying that those are losses. The Magic could win those games, but I do think the Magic have a realistic chance of going four and three on this homestand, um, which, as far as homestands go, isn't incredible. That would be a massive success for the Magic to go four and three on this seven game homestand. I know they could easily go one and six, two and five, three and four, but for me. I'm not ready to give up on this team completely on this season. So I'm going to say the Magic find a way to go four and three on this road trip. Maybe you win a game that you should lose. Maybe you lose a game that you should win. I'm going to go four and three. I, again, I'm choosing to be an eternal optimist right now. And for my mental health, I need the Magic to go four and three. So I'm uh, sticking to that. That's my story. And I am sticking to it. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say, I, and I'm not going to have anything to be able know. to counter it. You don't know what I'm going to say because I'm, okay. I'm throwing a curveball at you. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. This is a, a knee jerk reaction, but it might not be. These seven games are going to define the season. Oh, that 
They I'm, are. That here's, does here's not what, make me excited at all. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. But it could. Okay. Because here's the deal: if they go one and six or something like that Season's on this homestand, I mean, statistically, you look at it. I'm, I know statistically, it's not over. Like the Magic have crawled out of holes worse than this before. You know, obviously, 2019 team, a great example of that. Went on the great run in the last third of the season, made the playoffs. Anything's possible. But if you go, you know, one and six on this homestand, you're sitting and you're at sitting two there, and 13. Two and 13, exactly. That's where you go, uh oh. Because at that point, you're almost a quarter of the way through the season. So, all that to say, like, there's a lot riding on this. Like, we're going to figure out who this team is over the next two weeks. And I know, and I know all the caveats about the injuries. I know we're not going to be fully healthy through these seven games. And though, we think we might get some guys back here at some point during this homestand, but not everybody. And so the idea of not doing well on this homestand or even not doing mediocre on this homestand scares me for the same reasons that you mentioned. Like, I'm not ready to give, on, give up on this team. I'm not ready to give up on this season. I don't want that. I'm not pro-tanking. I want this team to compete. I want this team to make the play-in. I want all of that. But in two weeks, we're going to see where this team is. I hope it's hope it's better, but... I have no idea at this point. So I don't I don't want to dive like too too deeply into this, but like you know the Wednesday against the Mavericks. So that's that's a week from now. So the last we heard, like you know Gary was you know starting to do like basketball activities, like wasn't going through like any of the full court stuff. Um, you know the Magic played in Oklahoma City. You know um, Tuesday night, last game of a couple game road trip. I'm guessing they didn't practice today. Maybe they and, practice Friday. And Gary traveled, by the way, for this Gary road trip. Gary did travel. You know? Gary did so. travel. Jalen also traveled, and we saw him. He missed the first game of the road trip, but played, obviously, against Oklahoma City. Uh, Gary did travel, which is usually a good sign that guys are getting um, back uh, to being able to return. Um, usually they stay home because you know they, they have more opportunities to rehab you know at home than they would on the road. So the idea is continue to rehab those guys, get them back as soon as possible. We've also seen two Instagram stories in the last two or three days of Markel Fultz posting photos of just his feet. Really strange that we're talking about feet picks on this episode, but out of the soft boot that has been on his left foot. So to me, that says that Markel Fultz should be pretty close to returning. He should come back, I think, in kind of the later part of this road trip. I think that Dallas game is probably the earliest that we'll see. They want to get some practice time in, kind of get some of the conditioning back. My hope would be that he has been doing some conditioning during this time, if that's on the bike or you know swimming, whatever it is with the broken toe. Um, Jonathan Isaac is is really the the big question mark for me. Um, when he wasn't ready to start training camp, this was kind of like, all right, he's not going to be back for the start of the season. This is kind of that next window where. Maybe he comes back during that time. Now, we haven't heard anything about Jonathan Isaac. We have nothing to go off of here. But if there was a time to get him reintegrated, playing five-on-five, I think the Lakeland Magic just had their media day. So I don't know how much five-on-five activity the Lakeland Magic have been doing. Um, I believe when Markel Fultz was getting ready to come back, he spent maybe some time practicing um, with the Lakeland Magic, if I remember that correctly. I could be thinking of someone else. but this is really the first window in the season where we're like, they're going to be home for two weeks. They're going to be able to get some practices in, which is going to be huge for this team, 
with the amount of travel they've been doing and the fact that they missed two days, they basically missed half of training camp due to Hurricane Ian. I don't think we can overstate that either. This is a team that even from the beginning of training camp has not had a lot of time to practice together to clean up some of these things like the turnovers. The rebounding is getting a little bit better, but um, if you get those guys back Wednesday, the ninth you know, versus Dallas, this team is just going to be super energized and maybe you're able to rattle off a couple of wins just off of adrenaline alone. But like reinforcements are coming. They should be coming at some point. And then we should see the team to start to pick up a couple of other wins here. Um, the last point that I want to make about the schedule, Kevin, you talked about the fact that if you go one and six during this homestand, then all of a sudden you're sitting at two and 13. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're on the road at Chicago, at Indiana, at Indiana versus Philly versus Philly at Brooklyn versus Atlanta at Cleveland at Toronto home for Milwaukee home for the Clippers home for Toronto home for Toronto home for Atlanta Boston Boston Atlanta like this game I mean these games after this homestand you've got Chicago Indiana Indiana and then it just becomes like a month long another gauntlet for the Magic so I'm right there with you it might be a little bit early to say that this seven game homestand kind of could define the season and it can let's say you win you know four out of these seven you know games and then you're sitting at five and ten maybe you you might be able to win against Chicago on the road you got a couple of games against Indiana who you know you should be beatable there's an opportunity that you know you could be sitting like I don't know four or five games under 500 at the end of November um and, which for the match would be back. massive and getting right. guys back so right. Ah, man, it really feels like the season could go either way in the next two weeks here. Yeah, that's that's the part that scares me, you know. But hey, this is the beauty of sports. It's the best drama on the planet, you know. No one knows how it's going to go. And so, you know, we'll just buckle up and, and hope for the best, I guess. Buckle up, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I appreciate producer Kevin stopping by. Uh, For producer Kevin and Jonathan Osborne, this has been the Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.